sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, thank you for your sacred word. We honor your word. Like Job, we say, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. I pray this morning there will be a revolution and a change in our lives in relation to your word and how we relate to it. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you, the ultimate teacher, the consummate teacher. Thank you that I am under and you are in control. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, choir. I'm sure I'll call you again. God bless you. Once again, I want to thank God for the privilege and honor of being here. And like I said yesterday, I don't take it for granted. And I trust that. God's will will be done. Amen. And I also want to thank my husband for releasing me to be here. I know that it's more difficult for him to release me than for me to release him. So we thank God for his sacrifice. Amen. And I also want to thank Pastor James Comey and his lovely wife, Lady Pastor Clara for inviting me and for also having a vision you know sometimes it's easier to sit in your room and mind your own business than to try and bring people together and organize meetings and sometimes you ask yourself who sent you but God sent you and God has a purpose so thank you so much so this morning I want to speak to you about hidden treasures hidden treasures amen Are you there? I'm also here. Let's turn our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Reading from verse 2. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures. Colossians chapter 2. Where are you? Did I say 3? Oh, 2. So I'm, I'm now on verse 3. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. So this verse is saying that in Christ, there is a hidden wisdom and knowledge and that it's a hidden treasure and I agree with that a lot of the things that God does are hidden 
And he promises in the Bible that I will give you the treasures of darkness. Because most treasures are hidden. When you look at all the um, precious minerals, they are not just there. The surface mining, but the real ones are usually deep down. You have to go deep down to excavate to get it. And when I say hidden treasures, one of the hidden treasures is Christ, who is also the Word of God. And so what I want to talk to you about this morning is hidden treasures. And what I am referring to by hidden treasures is the Word of God. Amen. Now, many people don't think the Word of God is a treasure. And that is why we don't handle it well. Many charismatics don't spend time in the Word. Many charismatics don't live in the Word. And the Word of God is not just commandments. The Word of God is promises. The Word of God has many attributes that makes it a treasure. But it is hidden. Because its effect is like yeast or living that a person hides in bread. And then with time you just see that the bread is transformed. But it's a silent effect and you do not see it. Many times people come to me, even people in the ministry of pastors' wives, and they say, what is your secret, if you have any? What keeps you going? Some people see me and say, even my church members say, you do so well. One has them so well in what? So, so well. That's what does it mean? So the way you manage, the way you are able to be married to a man who has such a ministry, the way the evangelist is always away, and you seem to live as if uh, either I'm spider woman or spider lady or so it, it sets me thinking. And I come up there, so I was thinking about it, and I said, oh, people say, what is my secret? What is my secret? My secret is that I am too dumb to know what to do. Too dumb to, uh, you know, they say iPad for dummies. This for dummies. Mine is the word for a dummy. Because I really often don't know what to do. I have been preaching, you know, I was invited to a program not long ago by Victory Bible Church because the lady has a ministry to pastors' wives as well. And then she gave me a topic, standing by God's man. So I went and I started to preach. The pastor's wife was there. And then I was making a point that when you are a pastor's wife, try and have a life of which I've always said. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit said to me, that is why Esther had seven maidens to go into the palace. It's not something I knew. I've been preaching. It's not something that occurred to me. It just came spot on. That's why Esther had maidens with her to the palace and she didn't go alone. So really? So then I said as I was preaching, eh, you think it's only your husband? Why do you think Esther had maidens when she was going to the palace? And I'm sure when people hear, I say, hey, this man, she knows the word for revelation. <laughs> but it is not my word, it's the Lord's word. So the when I went home, I decided to look again. I saw that Rebecca, when she married and she was going, I saw oh, she had a nurse called Deborah who went with her. And the Bible even records when Deborah died. 
And then not only that, he said she went with her damsels and Deborah. I said, me. Then why do women go? She was the only one married. But as she was going into the marriage, she carried some people with her. What am I saying? I'm saying that when I go somewhere and I talk, she's very wise. She knows a lot of things. I don't know a lot of things. It's Bible for dummies. And that Bible is my hidden treasure. Some time ago in my life, I got a very big storm. And my dad had also just died. It's like everything was coming together. And one, I felt alone. And then I felt I was being accused of something that was not true. And with the little human wisdom I know, I felt that I had to explain and defend, like, why is it? Because what was being said was even so contrary. No, it's not like even it's close. It's like black and white, you know? And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But as I sat down and I said, I don't know what to do. Then the hidden treasure came and said, he was numbered with transgressors. And he made his grave with the wicked. So what does it mean? He said, it means that Jesus was pure. He was numbered. When they were calling the transgressors, they called one, two, three, four, and then they numbered him amongst them. And then when they killed him, he made his grave with the wicked. So, so what does it mean? He said that it means that that is the moment you are in in your life. I said, so Lord, what do I do? He said, what did Jesus do? I said, he As I'm saying, it sounds powerful, but I was crying. I said, everything is not true. And everything has turned. And now, he was numbered with transgression. As soon as he said that, he settled it. It didn't matter. I didn't need to be right. So now I don't need to be right. When I see people, they are young and they can what he's saying and then it's just not all battles are won by the mouth and sometimes when you sleep you will not even I'm not saying you should always be quiet but sometimes when you speak it will never be heard it will never be understood how did I come to that place it's not seen it's not seen but it enriches my life and it keeps me going. Amen. When I stand alone and I stand solo, and then God says to me, Oh, it happens sometimes in marriage. I say, Really? Where? I said, Well, can't you see Sarah? She was betrayed by Abraham. Can you imagine being led into a king's room that he should do whatever he likes with you? He said, I'm the only one who said I'll never leave you. No human being can stay that to you. And I'm like, wow. Then when I come out, you say, she's a very patient wife. She's a very good wife. Is Bible for dummies? Is Bible for dummies that is working? It's not because I am a superwoman. And I told you yesterday, one of my favorite prayer topics now is endurance. Because people even go round the bend. 
I know people in ministry who, just because of the pressures, they are not normal. And especially women, before you know, they are finding themselves at the mental hospital. I speak to somebody, young people, they do ever he broke up with me. I said, but God is still with me. No, no, it's like, that's not what we are saying. We are talking about our emotions. No, God is still with us. I said, God is still with me. I can't live without him. I said, is he oxygen? <laughs> it's only oxygen you cannot live without. And then they sit up and say, what are you saying? I said, yes, he broke up. But even if I were you, I told one lady, I said, if I were you, in my tears, I would lift up my hands and rejoice. Yeah. Then she got very startled. Why? I said, because before he could even marry you, a new person has come into the church. He says he's pastoring the person. And before you know, you are not seeing things well. God has delivered you. Yeah. It's a deliverance because marriage is an investment. When you go into it, whatever, whatever. So I came home, and the first was my husband, Sheik, the guy. And I said, well, this guy says that he has met a Chinese lady. So he has left the girl for a Chinese lady. He can follow the Chinese lady. My husband was a bit protective, so he was quite so He's not well, that's why I said, yes. So he's not well, so he's taking foolish decisions. So she should also just be there. But I think that when I tell him things and you are his child, he will go and tell him, my wife said, <laughs> this and that and that. So the lady got well and she recovered. And she was very well. Then, after a while, the guy came back. And I said, I said, so will you say, Mommy, he has repented. <laughs> as he has repented, and then I, I said, as he has repented, he should go back to his pastor. They should go through whatever. Then I met him. I said, this guy says that he's afraid of you, me. I said, oh, why? He said, you are coolly there, but you have said big things. I said, what big things? <laughs> it's just hidden treasure. I said to her, you cannot build your foundation on anybody. Build your foundation on the web. It doesn't mean that you will not have emotional breakdowns and hang-ups. But it means that that hope is in shaken. And you will be fine. As I'm talking today, they have married. The boy is always in my office. <laughs> so we are trying to do this. So what do you think? I say you. Where is the Chinese girl? I don't know what came over me. I said, so after five years of my, what will come over you? Oh, mommy. What I'm saying is that Christians need to feed on God's word. And not only that, it has to be the central part of the the Bible says that we are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Every window. Sometimes the doctrine is from some, excuse me to say, visiting prophet. He comes and he says, he has to bath you. Because some, you are married in the spirit. So now, you have to come to Achimota Forest. It's a place in Africa, in Ghana. Take off your wedding clothes, bath, and wear new clothes. Now, if you are married in the spirit... Why can you not unmarry in the spirit? But you have to come and marry in the flesh. I don't get it. But it's happening everywhere. One of our bishops was telling me just last week, he met a lady. She was going to church. She said there's a meeting, whatever. And then he got to talk to her and said, as soon as you are going, if your prophet says, 
this married man. God says you should marry him. What will you do? She said, I'll marry him because the man of God has spoken. So we esteem men of God above God's words. But Job said, I esteem your word above my necessary food. And Paul said, if I or even other apostles or even an angel comes to preach a different word, let us, including me, Paul, be accursed. But we don't know the word. So anything goes. Sometimes the word is quoted, but another way. Remember, Satan quoted the word. But why is it hidden treasures? There are reasons for that. Amen. Help me, Jesus. It's hidden treasure because John 8, verse 12. It prevents heads and reduces pain in this life. Much of the pain and heads of this life would have been avoided if we had used the light of life. John 8:12. Then speak Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When we grope in darkness, we hurt ourselves. We hit our legs without knowing our feet. We walk into things we don't know are there. And we end up broken all over. And that is because the light of life is out. So the first hidden treasure, it is a hidden treasure because the word of God is light. And when that light comes on, like a room... When a room is infested with rodents, mice, whatever they may be, they hide when there's darkness. But when the light comes on, they all go scuttling. Amen. The word of God in our lives will prevent certain heads. When God says, do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever, it's light. And when we walk in that light, it will save us. So the word of God is not trying to imprison you, take something away from you. But God loves you so much that he knows that life is painful. And he is trying to prevent more pain and unnecessary hurt. But we refuse to walk in the light. Hidden treasure because Jesus is the word and he is the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Therefore, he who does not follow me shall walk in darkness. Hidden treasures. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 105. There will I make the horn of David to bat. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. The Bible says you have no need that anybody teach you because you have the anointing. And God has ordained a lamp, which is the word of God, for his anointed. But the lamp is there, and then you are going for other things. The lamp is the light of God's way. 
That's why when I walked in and you were saying, ever true, changing me. I said, oh wow, Holy Ghost, you are spot on. Hmm. Hidden treasures. It is a treasure because it guarantees a good harvest of nice things. Amen. When we spend time in the Word, we are sowing spiritual seeds into our spirit. The Word of God is that great seed that we plant in our hearts when we spend time in God's Word. A seed is hidden treasure because it's not seed. Most seeds are in the soil. It's when they start to germinate that you see them. Amen. It is the same with the word of God. You can't see it. When it's planted in our lives, we come to church. We have our quiet time with God, spending time in his word. Seeds are being planted, but you don't know. Because it is hidden. Luke 8 verse 11. Jesus in um, describing what the word of God is said. Now the parable is this. The word is the seed. Or the seed is the word of God. Amen. So it is a hidden treasure because it is a seed. And no seed is seen. Every seed needs to be put into the soil and covered. So that it can go through the different stages of damnation. Your pastor is a PhD in Greek, so he knows what I'm saying. And then when it becomes that, then we see the fruits. So it is with the word of God. It takes time. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. Every time we spend time in the word, we are making an investment in our lives. You sow the seed of God's word and it will yield the fruit of love, peace, joy, and co in the Holy Spirit. Do we wonder why there's little or no love, peace, and joy in our lives? These fruits can only come as we sow spiritual seeds into our lives. Remember that Galatians 6 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Being born again of the seed which is not corrupted. It's not corruptible because it's hidden in your spirit and it cannot be seen. So the word of God is a seed you sow in your life. Sometimes I say, oh Lady Reverend, why should I know about marriage? I'm not married yet. Because it's a seed. It will germinate and you will eat of the fruit later. Amen. So the hidden treasure is also a seed. You can't see it. By the grace of God, I was born again by the age of nine. And I think that it saved me from a lot of nonsense. Which at the time, I didn't know. Do you understand? But just having that light prevents you from a lot of things. It's not that you would not have fornicated. 
It's not that because your father was strict, everything would have been okay. But it is that you started to walk in the light early because somebody shared the word of God. I tried in my teenage years to have a boyfriend. When they wrap me, ah, it's okay. I like this, so I'm going to say yes. When I go, say, so what do you say? The seed was there. And I couldn't go away. When I got to university, I've been Christian, I can imagine from the age of nine. So when I go to university, there may be another world there. But I could not also just be there, there's fellowship, and then I'm not going. I, 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 I don't know. So I would go, and when I go to the they saw me as a very correct Christian, which I was. So they would give me, Sister Lee, will you leave praise and worship? So I'll come, and I'll leave praise and worship powerfully. From all that God has taught me, I'll lead, I'll share words, or whatever, everything. But then I was making plans that this could be anything. I have to also explore other things. Options. So, long and short of it, I had my Christian friends, but I also had my uncle. Always telling me, your Christianity is so nice because you are a crossover effect. <laughs> yes. And then, one day, I was just in my room and I started to pray. I had a deep conviction in the night. My sister was my room and she had gone. I got down on my knees and I started to pray. And I started to weep. And I said, God, I will leave all my friends. I will leave them. The ones who are not serious. I will leave them. And I'll save you. I'll save you in those days. You don't know how to be led, Jesus. Anyway, I opened my Bible to write it false. That's what you are saying to me. So I opened my Bible. Second Corinthians six fourteen, or is it first Corinthians? Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and I'll be your God, and you shall be my children, or my sons and my daughters. I said, "Thee." I said, "Lord, as you have spoken, I have to do it not so." I was thinking of all my nice friends, both male and female, who were not, you know, because sometimes when I go to the fellowship. Now I know better, but I remember going to a meeting and then there was a lot of farming at a point in Ghana. But by God's grace, I had food and more to eat. So somebody came and said, I want to give a testimony. I was sitting with my friend. You know, I was very hungry. And then I was looking for bread. And then I met a friend who gave me bread. I said, that's why I want to eat this. It's a testimony. You found bread. Why are you coming to give such a testimony? And I said, and to top it all, I also found butter to add. And, uh, <laughs> and people were clapping. I said, these people, they are fake. What is that? Is that a testimony to give? But as I grew up, I became more aware of my environment. I saw that there And you can't just dismiss people's testimony. But I remember my friend and I, she said she got butter to talk. We love, we love so hard. They are pouring on. Look at that. And then they'll come and crack some joke. I'm a Christian. But the joke is not funny. Hey, so you are. It's not funny. 
And then when things go out of fashion, they are not going to wear it. <laughs> so I said, this is a weird group. And I'm planning to leave them. But when I saw the bed, they were coming to me. That's why I'm saying that. I've come to say that when God speaks to me, it's very on the spot, on point. So I said, Lord, I'll do it. And then the next time, I didn't go announcing that, oh, now I've changed, whatever, but something will still change. You know, all this people. But you know something? God gave me hindsight. He made me meet them later after school. And when I saw their lives, I was happy that I wasn't Mrs. Them. Do you understand Mrs. Them? If you had married them, this is how your life would have played out. So the word of God is a seed, but you don't know when it will come up. And that seed did not allow me. It didn't set me free. It didn't set me free to do what, because your parents are not there. If there's a brother in the church, I always tell him that as for you, you have to thank the blood of Jesus for more things because you have really destroyed people's children's lives. So, what I said that he told me when you come first year, he's a grown up man working. When you come first year, then he comes for you. Then he comes to become your boyfriend or whatever. And then he removes you from your room in Legon, the university, and comes you in his room. And then when your roommate calls or comes to say that your father is coming, he takes you back. And then your bed and everything is laid, and you sit on it and meet your father. After your father goes, he comes for you again. So you come for lectures. He lives with you. You come for lectures and everything from there. But the seed was there from the age of nine. So as much as I wanted to modify my life, the seed did not allow me. And with time, I can see the spiritual harvest of having come out from amongst them and being different. I can see the seed. I always say, I didn't know the type of husband God was planning for me. I didn't know what the future, but God knew. And he knew that that seed must not die. The hidden treasure of God's word means me. But we don't study the word for ourselves. We don't get into the word for ourselves. We don't invest even in the word. We invest in nice hairdos, nice jewelry, but investment that I want to grow in the word. No way. If you put Danish pies by the word, we will choose the Danish pies. If you choose, what was the name of the drink we had this morning? Elderberry. Elder, elder flower juice. Very nice. If you put it by the word of God, we will choose elder flower juice. Because that's how we are. Amen. But the hidden treasure is that God's word is a seed. You see, you may do the word, but you won't see the truth. It's like when God calls Pastor James. He didn't see where he was going or what he would become. When God called Bishop Dag, he didn't see where he was going or what he would become. But as the word is a seed, it will grow. And it will germinate and it will become fruit. And then birds of the air will come in. So when you, you, you sow the word, don't say, there's no point. Lady Reverend, it's not profitable to have the word in your life. Lady Reverend, it's not profitable to walk in the word. It's not profitable to be a word person. 
it is profitable. The season of harvest will come. And that harvest never fails. Unlike natural harvest. So be somebody who loves the word. Be somebody who is involved in the word. Who invests in the word. And who gets into God's word. Amen. Jeremiah 5 verse 14. Wherefore thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because we speak this word, ye speak this word, behold, I will make my word in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. A hidden treasure is a hidden treasure because it burns away unwanted things in our lives. It burns away unwanted things in our lives. It's a fire. The Holy Ghost is in the Word of God and it is a fire. So when you spend time in the Word, certain things in your life will be bent away. But a lot of us, we are just like the world, unchanged, untransformed, still the same because the fire of His Word is not burning away anything in our lives. But God said, I'll make my word like fire and the people like wood. Sometimes when fire is burning, it's not easy. It produces heat. It produces, you see, your unwanted things like unforgiveness. Your unwanted things like bitterness. Your unwanted things like keeping a record of wrongs. Only the fire of God's word can burn it. Because that's how you feel very justified. Why should I forgive this person? But it's not because of a good reason that we forgive. We forgive because the word is superior. The word is superior. It's not every time I feel like forgiving. And the ones most difficult to forgive are the ones you love the most. And they are the ones that when they hurt you, it's deep. How can that unwanted thing of unforgiveness go away? And when people do, you say... Wow, this person is spiritual, but she's able to forgive. There's a hidden treasure of the fire. That's what I mean. And, you know, personally, sometimes I feel God loves me more than many people. More than He loves many people. But things come to me without my going to look for them. Yes, I'll just be sitting in my office. Not even in the form of gossip, but somebody is telling me because the person assumes I know. That's all. So maybe, why did they say this? Uh, what do you think that how they spoke? Uh, the person feels I know, but I don't. So I've come across people who I found out were in a meeting. Where they should not have spoken, but they contributed about me. They contributed. And then when you see them, they smile. <laughs> oh, mommy. Sometimes I even want to tell them, don't use that. <laughs> Sometimes people come to me, even in Accra, I'm sitting in front, and I have the people I know because I minister to people. The way the God draws people to me. So then I'm talking, then somebody also joined me. Oh, mommy, I said, ah, by you. You are my stepdaughter. 
you are my husband's daughter, but me, Padre, you are not my daughter. So I'm to say, oh, but why are you saying that? I said, because it's the truth. And then I just follow with my life. It's also a relationship, stepchild. I said, oh, are you sure you should be using mommy? I think you should just call me Auntie Mom. Oh, what are you saying? I said, the truth. Bishop Sekou said, ah, you were not like that. You were not like that. Why have you become? I said, because after 27, going on to 28 years of my in a choleric, something was rubble. <laughs> but I told her, oh, you are, you are my stepchildren. So, mommy, why? I said, I don't have a problem with it. You are my husband's daughter. So any good thing I can do for you, I will do. But me, I don't have a relationship with you. Oh! I said, go and think about it. <laughs> Amen. So then, when I know, these are things I've never experienced, I had never experienced before, but they have happened now. They are, they are, you are adding some. And even this, and, eh, since when did you reach there? I see. But what makes me able to relate to you when I see you? Is it hypocrisy or is it no? Do you know what I feel for them? Pity. Pity. Then I said, God, is pity a sentiment? Is it something scripture? Then I went to read in the New Testament. Be pitiful. Be pitiful. Be courteous. I think it's in Ephesians. Be pitiful. That's why I pity them. Instead of you are really, I said, Oh, I pity them. Because when you can descend like that, Papa will say, Hey, my boy. And then when you see me, Oh, hello, mommy. I said, Ah, God. I'm forgiving them, but will I forever pretend? So when I say, Hello, I said, Good morning. If it were not the fire of God's way, it will not be easy for you. You will see Kodesh level type of uh, disputes. You will see it. Because, Santa, you know, you want to prove to people that you are not as foolish as they think. <laughs> and as naive as you think. And you say, let me address it. What does the Bible say? The Lord I was telling a lady, the Lord will fight because he has taken a long time. <laughs> but that keeps me going. So genuinely, when I see them, there's nothing Really. I can serve you, give you money, give you a drink, help your children with nothing. And when I'm moving, you are not part of my thoughts at all. Why the fire? I've finished my weeping. I've finished my issues with my God. Then I'm moving on. The fire will burn unwanted things. So when we don't spend time in His Word, the unwanted things pile up and they become a whole heap. And before you know, you have lost your sweet spirit. You have lost what even God called you to do. You have lost your alabaster box. You have lost the purpose why you came. Because unwanted things are not being done. But many of us, we don't even have time to look at unwanted things. But when you go into the world, who will talk to you. He said, looking diligently, Hebrews 12 verse 50, let the root of bitterness growing up from among you 
defile you and trouble others. So I said, ah, this thing, no, it doesn't stop me. I don't need it. And want it not. I told you how when I was coming full time, I kept telling God, it's not you, it's the people. And I wear my shoes, they'll say it's from the office. Lord, you know I've already been going abroad. When I go abroad, they'll say it's the office. So Lord, it's not you, but it's the people. But that I went into my closet, he said to me, you are proud. Mm, humble me. Like Pastor Clara said yesterday, by the word of God, Tell you that pride goes before a fall. The word of God would tell you, I want to burn this area of your life. And the burning is not easy. It's not easy, but it burns unwanted things in your life, which you otherwise would not see. But because it's a fire, it's a hidden treasure. You don't look like you are on fire. You look like you are coolly walking there. But in the realm of it, you are burning. There are different types of burning. I'm not talking about the passionate burning. I'm talking about burning of unwanted things in our lives. And that's why there's no difference between Christians and unbelievers. We are the same. Because we don't allow God's word to really burn the unwanted things in our lives. Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of God. The hidden treasure of God's word cuts away unwanted aspects of our lives and character. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the divine asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, meaning like a surgeon. It's able to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and to discern your thoughts. That this, you know how we say, I'm not proud, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Me, I don't have anything against them all. That's why me, I don't have anything against them. But the word of God is quick and powerful. Sharp. And when something is sharp, look, have you done surgery before? It's not easy. I had all my, I have four children by the grace of God. I had all the three of them without being cut whatsoever. So when I give birth, I just get up and go. With the first one, I was discharged on the same day. With the second one, we had to go and call the doctor from his house before we go to the hospital. So when we got there, the doctor said, if your wife takes another step, she will have the baby in the car. Because we had been accosted by armed robbers the night before. So I think it had affected me. So then we were taken to the reception of the, pastor's, the doctor's house. And my husband was given a coat, and he assisted the doctor. And then I had the baby. When I had the baby, the two doctors looked at each other and said, Our training doesn't entail bathing of children. And then I was lying on the couch, and I said, I'll bath it. So I got up, went to bath myself, bathed the baby, and I came. My husband said, Ah, are you done? I said, Yes. 
The doctor said, you may go. So we left. Then I had called my brothers that, oh, I was in labor, so I was going. So then we were going back home. I said, let's pass to Ringway, where our house is. I told my brothers that I've had a baby. My brother said, whoa, giving birth where you make like shopping. So I was used to that. Then with the third child who was a girl, I was living with my mother-in-law. I had taken her for a scan somewhere. And then as we were sitting waiting for her turn, I said, oh, you are the next person, but I think I'm in labor. She said, oh, no, it can't be. You are sitting there like that. You are in labor. I said, oh, this is my third child. I think I'm in labor. She said, so what, what should we do? I said, oh, you are just about to be called. So we'll go for the scan. And after that, we'll go to the hospital. She couldn't believe it. But anyway, she went in and she came out. And I said, she said, so what should we do? I said, we should go home. I'll go and get my bag. And trust you me, truly, I do not pass before the day. So when the labor starts, then I'm like this. I'm now like, where did I put the daffy? Where did I put that? That's how. So then we went to the hospital. And then we went, the nurses were talking. I could hear them. My mother-in-law went. And said, my daughter-in-law is this one. She says she's in labor. Labor that she has made her face fine like that. Why? She's, she's a primary pain. This is her first time. I didn't say anything. My husband wasn't there, so I called him to come. So when he came, he said, Nurse, my wife has precipitate labor. So you better prepare everything. And they were still doodling and doddling. A few minutes after that, I just hit him. Come and see them running frantically, whatever. I had that child too. Then the fourth one. They said she has a high head, so they have to do surgery. Then my big sister said to me, oh, surgery is better than natural birth, it's easier. And my first child, I went through natural birth before they came to say they would do CS. So me, I'll choose CS, and the CS is better. So I went with very high hopes. Beloved, it was a dividing asunder of soul and spirit. <laughs> Joint and marrow. It was not easy for me at all. I was so shocked at the pain. <laughs> Why is it so painful? And at that time, they say you can't eat anything. Those days, you can drink only black tea, eyes blocking. I desired everything in this world. So if they say that it's sharper than the two-edged sword, it means it's sharper than the surgeon's knife. And the surgeon's knife does not even divide soul and spirit. Only the word of God does that. And joints and marrow. Lisa, you are a medical doctor. I don't think you divide joints and marrow. But the word of God is able to do it. Amen. And it cuts off and wants What happens when you are cut? When I was cut, it was very painful. But the first, they don't think of walking. Then later, they say you have to walk because the wound will heal faster. Hey! But that's what the word of God So if you have become a Christian, you, you have never felt pain before. You have never felt any difficulty. Then I question your Christianity. Hidden treasures. Amen. Cutting unwanted things out of our lives. It is a treasure because it is a weapon in the hand of the believer. Ephesians 6.17 And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm glad that God described what the word is. Otherwise, we will say it's other things. What the sword is. But he says the sword is the word of God. 
Now you, when you fight, you fight by word. You fight by conspiracy, telling people and then getting a team around you. You fight by gossip. You fight in your head. But the Bible says, your real weapon that God has given you is the sword of the Spirit, which is by God's grace, the word of God has helped me fight many. 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 Amen. The sort of a story. Many things occur to us. Many things occur to people, like divorce. Because when you feel pressure here, you say, let me move to a place. It's a human thing. When there's fire here, you move here. When there's a problem here, you move here. It's a natural thing. So when that thought comes to you, how do you fight? But many of us women, we just sit and then the thought comes. And not only do we sit, we make a nest for the thought that as you have come, bring other eggs and come and hatch in my mind. So you are in church, but your heart is not here. You are in church, but your thought life is not good. If we don't fight, it will not be good. The sword of the spirit, which is the word. I don't know whether I told you yesterday or it was later during the fellowship that a lady got married in June. In August, she's sending text that she can't be in the marriage anymore. And when I looked at the reason she had given to the bishop, she said that he does not ask for my opinion. He does things without telling me. And for the last few months, I've been stomaching it, but now I can't take it. Now, in your work with God, you will come to a place where you would like to quit. But what keeps you in that place is that you fight back the thoughts that come from the enemy. With the word of God. Not with your own mind, but when you fight with your own mind, you will have 15 reasons why you are right. 15 reasons why you are right. Even sometimes we women, we talk to ourselves. When you are there, you say, what type of nonsense is that? What type of nonsense is that? Then because you don't have any word, you follow your nonsensical mind. <laughs> Amen, ladies. Amen. But the sword, when the devil brings the thought, the sword will say, God says in Malachi that I hate divorce. Sometimes it's not our fault. You may do your best, but the other person says she's I had a good friend like that. And she asked me, so what should I do? I said, you've tried everything. He said, she was talking to me. She said, it's about 20 years down the line. And I can't confirm God has been good to me. Just by holding on to his word, he did what he wanted to do. But holding on to the word has brought me to this place. And I can only say that God has been good to me. And the other part in his life is nothing to write with me. Here today, there to all over, it's no working. The sword of mistake. Some of you, depression. <laughs> Satan also has weapons in force. Why do you think they say the shield of faith, the fiery dust? But you don't just sit there and use shield of faith. You also take a knife and say, Here you are. 
Like I was saying last night, the problem when he says, Are you sure God called you? If God called you, why is it that in the church they don't see the form? Why is it that in the church nobody encourages your gift? Why is it that rather your gift is being snapped up? Are you sure God called? It was a mistake when you thought that God Satan, the gifts and the calling of God are without protection. If he called me some time ago, he It's not my experiences that make me. It's what is where he said. The sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit, which is the word. And he's not saying pray an angel will come and take it for you. And you sit down. I'm sad. I'm depressed. It's the end of my life. And then you just allow demons to take over. But if you take your sword of the spirit, say Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, think about these things. Satan, I refuse to think about the things that have happened to me. I will think about where God is taking me. I will think about his faithfulness. Women become paralyzed with depression. Paralyzed, they can't rise up. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to live again. And then they say to me, "You know, something? shame, shame can cover you." And that's like, what is amazing about female shame is that that's like the husband who has brought the shame, but the type of shame the woman is carrying is more than the perpetrator, which I do not understand. But it's our thing. She said, oh, mommy, when I come into public, I feel so terrible. You said, you feel terrible, but you haven't done You said, no. He said, I'll give you double from shame. So when Satan tells you, it's shameful. Everybody knows. Everybody knows, and so what? Are they God? Everybody knows, and so what? Are they God? Who saith a thing and it cometh to pass when the Lord has not decreed it? It is a fight, beloved. That is why you are holding a sword, not even a kitchen knife. But some of us don't know that the holy, uh, the, the Christian life is a fight. It is a fight. And it is a hidden treasure because you don't see the sword. That is something that God has given you. But you, you don't have the sword because... You don't search the scriptures. You don't know the scriptures. So when Satan comes, he just comes. Sometimes you may not even have a ready word, but going to search the word gives you the correct word for that moment. But you will not. We'd rather chase other things. We have time for shopping. We have time for makeup. We have time for our hair. We have time for investing in the word. When I read my Bible, I sleep. We all started that way. But as you press on and ask the Holy Ghost to reveal itself, you will see how excited you will become. Sometimes you will be alone. When you get a revelation, you will get a, you can't even walk. You say, oh, my, I can't believe it. Hey, God, what are you saying? I can't even believe what you are saying. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God.
Christians are living too many defeated lives. Because the word of God. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.